Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, Real Football Injury Talk. Thanks for tuning in to an all-new episode of the Heads and Tails Fantasy Football Injury Report, minus the fantasy football relevance because it's no longer relevant, but we're still talking about the injuries, uh, just trying to start a conversation to make the sport of football safer to play. Um, so to, in today's lineup, what we got? We got the Week 17 injuries. Um, that we have a little discussion on the college football targeting rule and how I've kind of witnessed in some of the bowl games that it's effective in my opinion. Uh, then we got some NFL prospects uh, skipping out on bowl games and you know for health and safety reasons. And then we're going to get into Josh's wild, wild card playoff round previews of, of all the, the NFL games. And we'll have... Uh, Try to get the the audience's opinion on that, so stay tuned on Instagram uh, to to put in your to cast your vote. So Josh, thanks for coming and helping me find my wallet because that was a about an hour long struggle, even with a tile. It's key. Uh, so thank you for that. Welcome. And uh, let's start off with the week seventeen injuries. Uh, we got Lashawn McCoy, the running back for Buffalo, uh, with an ankle injury. This is probably the biggest injury uh, of week seventeen from a. Uh Player standpoint, biggest biggest name player, um, the running back for the Bills, Lashawn McCoy, got an ankle injury. We'll talk about the significance to the team more when we talk about um, the Bills Jags playoff game here at the end of the episode. But the how kind of he he it was just a regular carry up the middle, four or five yard carry. And usually when you think of these ankle injuries, they're the ones that um, you get like trapped and twist it and looks like just a badly sprained ankle this one he like his toe is on the ground his heel is up in the air so his foot's like perpendicular to the ground and he gets and the the defensive lineman who's tackling him falls on top of him that way so it looks like his foot ankle gets kind of compressed because it never really gets like really turned or twisted it does a little bit but it's not like your basketball rolled ankle or he's making a cut and he rolls his ankle like you kind of picture so it is it's just like hinging the wrong way yeah so it kind of makes me think that it is it maybe it isn't as bad as he I, wasn't putting weight on it he no, was like he got carted off the field so but there is they they did x-rays all the x-rays were negative all the mris came back uh fine so uh, they said he's He's got a chance to play this weekend, um, which would be really big for the Bills. But um, based on how it uh, doesn't look like your normal sprained ankle, I would think that even though it looked really bad at the time and it looks bad on the video, um, he might have a shot uh, to play. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, and like we said, we'll talk more about it at the when we talk about the game. But the Bills probably need him if they have any shot. Okay. Uh, next injury up is Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver for San Francisco. Uh, he had a pretty bad concussion. Um, and obviously go to the show notes for this episode to find the video of this hit. Uh, Josh, do you want to explain it to us? Yeah, so he was, again, and we've we've talked about this all year, um, a lot of these, I would say a good percentage of these defenseless receiver um, hits that result in concussions are where? On the field. In the secondary? Yeah, but like where on the, like in the. Oh, near the end zone. Near the end zone, which is exactly the same. So we talked about. Um, the Robert Woods. Remember when the the Rams and the Forty ers played on Thursday night at the very beginning of the year, and the Forty Nine er guy crushed the yeah. Robert Woods 
on like the very similar play. Right. Slant down by the goal line. Also against the Rams. Yes. Yeah. So this was this the team's flipped. Now the 49ers wide receiver running a slant by the goal line, the five yard line. Safety comes up, hits him in the helmet. Uh, hits him in the helmet. More so with his shoulder. It wasn't helmet to helmet, but the reaction to this. Not really a reaction. His physical reaction. Bizarre. Mar- yeah, Marcus Goodwin's physical reaction was bizarre, to say the least. Like I, it was like a delay, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's hard to explain. you got to kind of see the video. But So he gets hit, and he's on the ground, and the one guy on Twitter described it like it looked like he was trying to catch the ball again. So right. he's laying flat on his back, and, like, he's almost in fencing, like, the fencer's pose. And then all of a sudden he, like, spasms. And his arms are like flailing in the air, like he's trying Strange, to, yeah. like he's trying to catch something. So it was. And then he's just like out. And then after that, he went back to like out. Yeah. So it was, it was a scary one. Um, but like I said, it's a lot of these things are down by the goal line because it's when there's points get involved, they don't, you don't. It seems like the defenders especially are a lot less careful, and uh, the thought. It seems like at other parts of the field, we were finally starting to see like. It run through the defender's mind, which I don't know if they're all, they like or not, or, or they'll admit. But I've I've I think I've seen a lot more of guys pulling up on plays across the middle where they could have there could have been contact on purpose or, or even right. on, on accident, just because of the the how the play goes. But down by the end zone, it's like we you got to make a play. It's just, right. It, just, it seems like it just becomes a lot more instinctual because because you're gonna get. Your ass chewed out if you yeah, don't. And you're trying to save points. Yeah. And it's like it's the it's the biggest thought. And it, it there's it's been a lot of situations and scenarios where there's been uh, head contact because of that. Yeah, and one more point on this particular hit is, you know, the the defender obviously led with his shoulder technically, but it kind of leads me to, you know, believe that I think I think some of these guys use the leading with the shoulder as like an excuse or like a crutch for hitting a defenseless receiver because yeah, you, you, I mean, you could still, your shoulder can still be a weapon. You know, it could, I think it's still a violent weapon that you can use. And I don't know. I feel like these guys might be taking advantage of that or not taking advantage of it, but I don't know. Being falsely misled that that is an okay thing to do. Yeah. I agree with you. It's, the fact that – and it's it's hard because the way the rule's written, I mean, now you can – obviously he got penalized for it, so you can still be penalized just because it's not helmet to helmet, it's shoulder to helmet. Um, it's – it's like if you watch this, this isn't – it's another example of it's not a, ta- a normal tackling – Technique. Yes, it's not. It's like launch. It's it's a it's a lead with a shoulder. Like you you can hit with your shoulder if you're trying to tackle like you would normally. I mean, these pass breakups are lead with the with the hardest thing I have because that's the best chance you're gonna have to break up the ball. And when the target changes, or yeah, of course he doesn't mean to hit him in the head with his shoulder, but when the ball's thrown poorly. Or the ball's thrown in a in a different location, and the guy dives or goes down to catch it. Now you're leading with the hardest thing you have is there's a shot there's a shot you're gonna hit him in the head. Yeah, you don't have control anymore. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, next injury up is DeAnthony Thomas, wide receiver uh, slash kick returner for Kansas City, uh, with a broken tibia. Yeah, so this one has some playoff implications too. Chiefs are playing this weekend in a wild card round. Uh, he's their main. Uh, kickoff and punt returner now that they don't like 
since Tyreek Hill's been more of a wide receiver this year, they took him off all that stuff. So things like this don't happen to him um, since he's their number one receiver now. But he was uh, returning a punt in the game this weekend against the Broncos. And it's another one where it looks like a pretty normal tackle, just to to be honest. Um, he's trying to run away from the defender. The defender has him by the waist and is just – From behind him. Yeah, so he's – It's the, like a horse collar type. Injury. Kind, kind of, yeah. It's 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 a similar mechanic to how when when that's kind of why they took horse collars out because you would get you get your legs trapped because right. the guy's behind you. So this he just had his arms around his waist, but the defender is basically being dragged on the ground, and the body weight of him on his legs just uh, gets caught the wrong way, and he and he got his foot cut under caught underneath basically, and uh, broke his leg. So he'll he's obviously out for the entirety of the playoffs. Uh. Another injury is Robbie Anderson, wide receiver for the New York Jets, uh, with a concussion. And this this one to me was pretty bad, just because it looked shoulder again, but like it, blatant yeah. going for the head. Yeah. And this this strikes me as one of these ones where, um, especially with wide receiver corner back matchups, and a lot of times where um, a lot of these corners in the NFL they're following. They're, they, it's, they follow the wide receiver. So basically wherever the wide receiver winds up, lines up, especially the best wide receiver on a team, like Robbie Anderson is for the Jets, the best corner on the Patriots is a lot of times going to shadow him and go wherever he goes where he is on the field and cover him on every single play. So a lot of times, I mean, you're lining up against this guy for 60, 70 plays, you're going to be jawing back and forth at each other. And a lot of wide receivers and corners, that's what they like to do. That's a lot of p- part of their game, they feel like, which gives them advantage of psychologically beating the other the other guy, letting him letting the guy know when you make a play. So this just strikes me as one where I think the corner for the Patriots felt he had a he had a he had a chance to get a free shot on him right without like without not in the course of play. And I'm sure he didn't mean to be like to have what happened happened, but I think he meant to let him know he was there right. and give him a little extra shot. But right. it mean, ended it, up being shoulder right to helmet. He got a concussion. He left the game. And Robbie Anderson got up immediately and tried to get it, get in uh, Gilmore's face about it. Well, yeah, it's freaking BS. Yeah, it was a pretty blatantly dirty. Yeah, because like not only did Robbie Anderson not see him coming, which is almost like a defenseless type receiver, but. He also wasn't going to catch the ball. No, like, he d- he didn't catch the ball, and it was it was a the hit was late. It was right around the Jets' own goal line, and it was almost like a little screen pass. Um, and Anderson reached out to catch it with one hand, dropped it, and then almost just like bent down to kind of pick it up off a of bounce, just as like a reaction to dropping a ball, kind of. Right. And Gilmore was coming, so eyeing him up the whole way. Yeah. yeah. So Anderson's running towards the sideline. Gilmore's running straight down towards the Downhill, goal line, yeah. and once he sees it, he didn't catch the ball, and he kind of just like gives him like a flying elbow going by as he's running past him. But since Anderson kind of bent down, he hit him elbow top of his arm. But it right wasn't like a, I, I'm standing straight up now and bending down. It's no, like he, he was, was already bent down. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'd no, be interested no to excuse. see if I would. Eh, he won't get suspended, but he should be. Uh, he should be fined. Why shouldn't he be suspended? He won't get suspended. Right. I'll phrase it that way. He, he won't. Should, he though. won't get suspended. I mean, like to me, that's not much different than Gronk's. Uh, it's not. It's not ordeal. a. It's not a football. It's just one of those things. It's not really a football play. Like that's these are the ones that we kind of talked about throughout the course of the year that you should be able to get rid of because it's not in the course of right. a normal football move. But or think normal about football play. Think about Gronk's uh, suspension. Yes, it's it's a, the contact itself is very similar. 
Right. But they, but Gronk's was a lot later. I know it was a lot later, but it was still a guy not looking for you, doesn't know you're there, and you like blatantly go for his head. Yeah. You know, um, just food for thought. Uh, all right, I think that's it for the major injuries from Week 17. Uh, now we'll go into a little bit of a discussion from weeks past. And the Texans did not get fined for their handling of the Tom Savage concussion, and it did lead to uh, changes uh, in the NFL concussion protocol, which we touched on last week. So um, go over to the show notes for Week 16, uh, for the Week 16 injury report to uh, hear about some of those changes. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Or it, I mean, the article that we have for this week is it also outlines the changes that we touched on last week. And also, it, I mean, it is briefly touching on it is the things that they ended up changing were things that they should have had the whole time. Right. Because based on what happened and – Oh, now like, if you have a seizure on the field, now now you now should you be taken off. Yeah. Yeah. But, but based, before, yeah. you didn't. But you based, good. But based on how it was written, I mean, take – the Texans technically didn't do anything wrong. People gave him a lot of crap for it, for letting him go back in the game, but yeah, they, by the rules. But yeah, letter of the law, they follow the rules. So that's why they that's why they didn't get fined and why the Seahawks did. Um, but yeah, so that's. Uh, but even though they change it, it'll still be interesting to see going forward how teams um, respond to it and how teams actually um, put it into action when. When it's called upon, especially in the playoffs, the playoffs is a whole different, uh, a whole different animal. Like we saw, we talked. I think we talked about this once or twice this year. The Matt Moore hit last year, quarterback for the Dolphins in, in the Steeler game, where he got helmet to helmet, personal foul, uh, hit against, and he was back in a play later. Um, it, was, it was very similar to what happened with Russell Wilson, and nothing ended up happening to the, to the Dolphins because of it. But in the playoff game, when your quarterback. These guys are trying to get him back in the game as quick as he can. So it'll be interesting to see if we have any scenarios like that uh, this year with uh, playoffs and concussion protocol and how the teams handle it. Uh, then we have a, a hometown fan topic. Uh, the Steelers, among other teams, resting their starters uh, to avoid injury in Week 17. Yeah, I guess the Steelers were the biggest team, but a lot of other teams did also. I guess the difference was the Steelers still technically had something to play for, but um, they were only playing for – they had a buy already. They were only playing for the difference of being the one seed or the two seed, but in order for them to get the one seed, the Patriots would have had the loss to the Jets, which – Probably think, wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think they kind of knew it wasn't going to happen, and they had their chance to be the one seed when they played the Patriots. So who didn't the play one. for the um, – They – Ben Roethlisberger was inactive. Le'Veon Bell was inactive. Pouncey was inactive. Uh, their center. So who the hell was running the ball? Because isn't uh, James Conner hurt? Yeah, too? they signed uh, Stephen Ridley. Last week, before last week's game, he uh, played for the Patriots for a couple of years on the Jets for like a hot second, um, and he actually did okay at a touchdown on the Pittsburgh Steelers for a hot second. Yeah, now <laughs> now he's their backup running back, and he got a lot of he got some run, but yeah. So they sat basically. I mean, you can only sit seven guys. You can only not dress seven guys, but they're um, and they only had one guy who was inactive because of injury. So they didn't. They basically didn't dress their most. And Antonio Brown obviously is still um, hurt because of injury. So they didn't dress a lot of lot of guys. Any news on Antonio Brown? <laughs> he started running this week, so kind of. I'm still skeptic of it, but I guess we'll have a lot more information come this time next week when they're preparing for whoever they're they're going to pre prepare for. But. Um, it's just interesting to see how different teams approach uh, these last week with depending on what they have on the line and the teams that are preparing for the playoffs. Um, I know the, the Rams didn't play their starting quarterback. 
Um, the Eagles played Foles for about a quarter and a half and then took him out of the game, um, whereas the Patriots played everybody and played everybody the whole game. I mean, they were up on the Jets 26-3 to in the fourth quarter, and Brady's still in the game with five minutes left, um, and Gronkowski and, and Deion Lewis. So um, I guess every team kind of approaches it a, li- a little differently, but and, and every team's had success some uh, certain ways. I remember when Peyton Manning was on the Colts and um, – when we were growing up, probably in middle school, there was years where they had the one seed clinched uh, like the week before Christmas. So they're in week 15 and they have nothing to play for. They had home field advantage and um, sometimes they decide to rest their guys and then they get into playoffs and these guys haven't played for three weeks now. And then they start to show a Step little – Step slower. Yeah, there's, they'll start to show a little signs of rust. So um, to me, I guess it's – Depending on your team, it depends on your situation, depends on your depth. But at least with your quarterback and with the Steelers, like with with their with Bell, I mean, if you have a chance to ensure that those guys are going to be healthy and maybe they're just going to just going to take them an extra drive or two to be full speed in their first playoff game, deal with it. Yeah, man, it's figure, better than not having them at all. Yeah, figure it out. You gotta you gotta get go into get these games as healthy as you possibly can. So, but it was to me, it was just interesting to see how different teams handled it. Yeah, on a, a similar but not. NFL-specific note, uh, a bunch of draft-eligible NFL prospects in college were skipping their team's bowl games uh, to ensure that they don't get hurt uh, or that they don't hurt their draft stock. Um, More so, they're not hurt your draft stock by getting hurt. Um, they're right. not, a, yeah, they're not afraid of having a bad game. Right, right, right. But they're afraid of having a serious injury, and we've seen it a couple times in the past couple of years. Um, we'll have a link to uh, the Jake Butt. Players Tribune from article last year, from last right. year. He was a tight end from Michigan. Projected, projected second like round. second round pick. Yeah, one of the but one of the top tight ends at his position. Uh, he tore his ACL in the bowl game last year, so he ended up getting picked. And didn't he have like insurance on his legs or something? A lot of these guys do. A lot of these guys do. But uh, still, it's. Um, I'm almost positive that he had insurance that like he got paid pretty yeah. heftily for having that insurance yeah. or whatever. But at the same time, well, when you when you if you have a year injury in a bowl game in January, um, most of the time you're gonna you're gonna miss a full season. So he ended up getting drafted by the Broncos, and I think the fifth round, uh, he didn't play a game this year. Um, he had got put on IR at the end of the season, and he didn't he didn't play a single game. And he should be good to play next year, but that's um, just kind of the risk you you run. There was a linebacker who um, ended up coming back and playing this year for the Cowboys, Jalen Smith, who was the Notre Dame linebacker, who was one of the top. 10 prospects in the draft and he blew out everything in his knee um and I think the Cowboys ended up picking him in the second round and he missed all of last year this was his second year in the league and his first season playing so I mean you see it happen a lot and last year was the first season that guys started skipping the bowl game so I guess the big the big names were Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette who are rookies in the NFL this year last bowl season didn't play in their bowl games um, their teams weren't in the college football playoff games. So they were in just regular bowl games, and they decided they knew they were going to be top 15, top 10 picks, and they decided they weren't going to play. So it, it's, uh, it seems to be more of the skill guys that are doing it more so than um, anybody else. But it's just – I don't know if I'd feel differently if I was on the team because – on one hand, yeah, you want them to you you want your teammates to play, and these guys are the best players on the team, obviously, if they're going to get drafted that highly. But at the same time, you know these guys so well that it's like you're probably you get it. you're yeah. probably like yeah, if I, if I was in his boat, I might be doing it too. So, yeah. I, what do you think about it? Yeah, it's hard it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes, but 
I'm always in the camp of get the money while you can, and you know, because you don't, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I don't blame these guys one bit for sitting out their bowl game, but and I'm sure it eats at them more than you would think it does. Like it might seem to an outsider that oh, like they just didn't care about their team. They they're selfish. They only care about themselves. Um, but you got to know, making that decision, like you're going to catch some flack for it, and it's a hard decision for you in general because those are your buddies. Those are the guys that you uh, were recruited with and you, you know, fought with uh, on the field. So you don't want to let them down either. So I'm sure, you know, as mad as it makes the fans and maybe irritate some of your coaches and your teammates, I think people should know that it probably is just as hard for the yeah. player themselves to make that decision. Yeah. Like I said, and everybody has a different approach to it. And if in the Jake Butt article, there was he basically said there was no way that I wasn't going to play. Yeah. Just for whatever his own personal reasons. And yeah. Well, is that a? But who's to say that's a good, the right or the yeah, wrong decision? No, it's just it's just it's, for him it, yeah, that was the yeah. the right decision. Yeah. And uh, Saquon Barkley was kind of was kind of in a similar. He's a running back for Penn State and the best, probably the best running back in, in college football this year. And he decided to play. And Penn State's approach was to it was, okay, so he wants to play. And James Franklin said, okay, we're going to play you. Well, we're not going to play you as much as we usually do. I mean, he usually plays every snap of every, of every offensive possession. Like eight carries for like 90-something yards or something? In the first half. I mean, he had a 92-yard yeah. touchdown run in the first half. So, he ended, I mean, he ended up with his normal stat line, but he, they gave him drives off. Um, and it, it's good for the team, too, because they had a, a younger running back who's going to be their starter next year that they can see in a big game and with, in a lot of important situations. But when it, come, came, when it came to the fourth quarter and the game was close, he was playing every, he was playing every snap. But at the same time, I think um, the, 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 the head coaches of these college teams and the college programs have started also kind of seeing the light and saying, okay, this guy wants to play, but I mean, he's going to be a top-five pick, so – um. We, well, yeah, we'll let him play, but instead of giving him 35 carries in the last game, we're going to give him 17, 18 carries and just minimize the chance of getting – because at the same time, like if James – if how bad would James Franklin feel as the head coach of Penn State if, if he's giving Saquon Barkley 39 carries on his 40th carry, he, he blows his knee out? Yeah, I was just thinking the same exact thing. I'm like, from a recruiting standpoint, you have a top running back prospect coming in, and he remembers that last season you freaking ran him into the ground and he tore his ACL. Like, yeah. I'm not coming to your school. Cool. Yeah, you don't care about me. So, yeah. so it's obviously they're they're at the same time when these guys who are these Uber prospects are deciding that they do play. I think they're also doing right by the kid a lot of times. So, but it is a, it didn't seem to be nearly as a big of a talking point this year as it was last year. Last year, the when the because running, it's becoming more acceptable. Or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's been there's more guys doing it. Last year, a lot of guys came out and had such negative things to say about McCaffrey and Fournette, but and it it didn't change where they got drafted. You know, it didn't change what NFL teams viewed of their character. No, and it's so I think it's becoming more. In and my more mind, acceptable. it's the smart thing to do. And if yeah. I think I if I had the choice, if I was in their shoes, I'm sure I'd make the same exact decision. Yeah. Um. Although I do think it would be a hard decision to make. Yeah, for sure. I also have the experience of, you know, having a career-ending injury. Yeah. So, uh, all right, while we're still on the topic of college football, um, I just wanted to bring up a point when I'm watching all these bowl games uh, yesterday and this weekend, uh, the UCF game versus Auburn in particular, I just thought the targeting rule and the enforcement of the targeting rule was, like, on full display in every spectrum. I mean, I saw a targeting call, a reversal of a targeting call, which, you know, Guys in college get ejected for if the if it truly is a, a targeting 
um, penalty, but they reviewed the tape. They saw that now, like, it really wasn't a targeting penalty, and they picked up the flag, and it was fine. Then in that same game, there was also a targeting ejection um, in that game, and they reviewed the tape, and it was, in fact, targeting, uh, and the player was ejected for it. And then also in this game, I saw uh, on one particular play, I couldn't find a video of it because nothing really happened, um, but a defensive back clearly was holding up on a play like uh, across the middle on wide receiver where he could have like depleted him, and he didn't. And the guy still went to the ground. He was still like the same result that would have happened. This, but this time, like he didn't go for the kill shot, and he stayed in the game because mm-hmm. he didn't get a targeting penalty. So, to me, it's kind of an example of how like the punishment might be fitting the crime in college football, and guys are starting to learn that it's not worth it to even like try to you know stick your nose in there when you don't really need to. Yeah. Um, just based off of what I've seen from the college, I think they've also done a good job of when they're reviewing it, reviewing intent also, which, um, it's, it's hard because like, that's kind of a judgment call a lot of times. It's not where everything in the NFL just seems to be so letter of the law, exactly how it's written. I mean, this targeting rule, it seems to give, it's, it seems to be giving guys in college, um, a little more leeway to make a judgment of, do you think the intent was X? Right. Did you launch at him or did you really try to make a tackle? Or was there helmet to helmet contact, but, um, was it more inadvertent? Uh, than than anything else, or was it crown of the helmet? You knew what you, now you knew what you were doing, but crown of the helmet, you're you put yourself at risk of having this called on you. And I also think situationally too, like I think where you are on the field could play a role, and the down and distance, and are you just trying to stop him from getting a first down? That's why you had the launch, like yeah, it's, for sure. But I I agree. So uh, it seems like there's a kind of groundswell of support or want for the NFL to adopt a rule like this. So uh, there, I, there's also money involved with the NFL with that there's not in rules where, the, where there's not in college. Exactly. Yes. So they might like, what are you going to do? Like he's ejected, but like you're not going to have anyone appeal the ejection. Yeah. So, like, because yeah, because if you're getting ejected in the NFL, you're, you're getting fined and then they're going to appeal the fine. And then uh, it's just, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's the, it seemed like the big emphasis this year was to try to, um, decrease the number of stoppages in in the game so if they're going to do targeting are they going to make it where they have to review it um college games are long as shit already you know all these college games these playoff games are four hours and 15 minutes four and a half hours so them reviewing a targeting call that takes a minute and it is what it is is. but i think the nfl is very aware and very cognizant of how long their games are and how many stoppages there are so I, i i'm just i'm very interested to see how the how the nfl kind of reacts to um how they want to uh, enforce a targeting rule or the defensive receiver, because like you said, I think it is working in college because guys don't want to get, guys don't want to get ejected. Um, and the other thing is if you get ejected in the second half of a game, you miss the first half of the next game. Um, so uh, I, I, I do think it's in the back of these guys' minds uh, in college a lot more so than it is in the NFL, but I'm just very, I'm interested to see what the NFL decides to do with it. I mean, if the argument is that it's going to make the game longer, I mean, what's worse? I mean, we've been talking all yeah. season how the popular opinion is how the NFL yeah. isn't safe and they don't care about the player's safety. So is adding an extra minute or two to the game for reviewing targeting penalties to make the game safer, is that, you know, 
No, but we've also talked about where the NFL tries to please everybody. So this is one time where like you're gonna have to make a decision. Yeah, pick one. You know, so we'll we'll see. Pick but the I, nearest threat. I do think there'll something will come up with it. Either it was not adopted because of X, or it is adopted and this, these are the rule changes. Yeah, I feel like this off season is gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you also had a an opinion on. The, uh, a slower whistle in in the college game. Yeah, so we're just re- real quick about we're just watching all the college games. Um, this and this is one thing that I do think the NFL has done a better job of in college. Where so I'm kind of in the NFL's corner on this one thing for once. Um, watching the college games, it seems like the the referees are very. Um, letter of the law in terms of forward progress and you're not down until you're down. So there's a lot of times, especially on these running plays where they'll get caught in a pile and there there's like 10 guys coming into the pile and trying to push it. It becomes like a rugby scrum and the refs like slowly make their way closer to the pile but they don't blow their whistle until the guy is literally off his feet and on the ground. Right, and in that UCF-Auburn game, there's a guy on uh, Auburn who literally pile drive or pile drove the – UCF running back on his head like I'm still he's lucky he didn't break his neck this kid yeah you know putting all his weight on there and that's all because it was a a late whistle like if if the guy is in the air being bear hugged into like his feet are off the ground like he's obviously not moving anywhere blow the freaking whistle yeah and that's what I I I noticed that the the college refs are and maybe they're coached this way or I'm sure they're not doing it on purpose I'm sure it's the way that they've been told but they do not blow the whistle until the guy is down but I, I I saw a lot of times this weekend where I thought if the play happened in the NFL, there would have been a there would have been a flag. There probably would have been a flag because there would have been a quick a quicker whistle. But just guys throwing themselves into piles, just the kind of unnecessary stuff that we've talked about that um, uh, we've would like to see legislated out of the game. Which I think the NFL that's the one thing I think they have done a pretty good job on is flagging guys for coming into piles late um, and leading with their helmet in that sense when. It's just like a rugby scrum. The guy's not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, now we're going to get to our wild card round preview games. Um, you want to start off with the Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs game? Yeah, so we'll go. Uh, we'll go right in order um, on how their games are going to be uh, on TV this weekend. Um, I'm excited for the playoffs. I mean, as much as as much crap as the NFL gets, um, the playoffs are still. Uh, I think the ratings came out for 2017 and. Of the top thirty ch- television shows, the, the the top thirty television shows on TV this past year of 2017, I think uh, I think it said somewhat like 20 of them were NFL games, and every single playoff game from last year, from January of 2017, was in the top 30 of shows on TV. So I mean, for as much crap as the NFL gets, everybody still watches the playoffs. It's the only game on. There's four of them the first two weeks and there's two the next week and then it's the Super Bowl. So everybody's watching them. So um, I'm excited to kind of break down and get in, get in depth um, before the games and next week, next Monday after the games. Uh, we only have four games to talk about and um, it'll be good that um, just I, I think we can take stuff from every single game and everyone will know, know what we're, we're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. So, um, but the first game on Saturday afternoon, 435 is uh, Tennessee Titans at Kansas City Chiefs. 
uh, from an injury standpoint, biggest injury in this game uh, is probably DeMarco Murray, the running back for the for the Titans. Uh, we talked about him last week on the podcast. He got hurt uh, week 16 against the Rams with a sprained knee. Um, it wasn't ba- as bad as they originally thought. He wasn't able to go last week, um, and they weren't saving him. They needed to win to make the playoffs. So he just he wasn't able to go. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses throughout the course of this week to see if he can play. Um, the And just from a matchup standpoint, the Titans are a team that kind of had some high expectations this year and had a pretty good record at one point, but um, they really struggled down the stretch. Uh, they lost three games in a row before week 17 where they beat the Jaguars, but the Jaguars weren't playing for anything. Um, enable, that enabled them to get into the playoffs. And it seems like a lot of it is uh, on their quarterback, Marcus Mariota, um, another guy who they had high expectations because everyone had high expectations of him. Um, and he's turned the ball over a lot this year. He's been hurt a lot this year. Um, he hasn't been really – I think his best asset is his legs, and he, a lot of the year he hasn't really been able to use his legs. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup in that sense. Um, and the Chiefs are a team that was 5-0 and at the beginning of the year, and everybody's almost favorite to go to the Super Bowl when the Patriots were struggling at the beginning of the year and the Steelers were struggling at the beginning of the year. And the Chiefs came out and beat, beat the Patriots, and they looked – they were scoring 30 points a game, and they looked great. And then they went through a stretch in the middle of the year where they lost the Giants and the Jets. <laughs> not they, good and they went through a one and six stretch but in the past couple of weeks they've quietly I think started to right their ship and use the running game more and kind of once the spotlight was off of them I think they kind of were able to figure some stuff out and I think I think they could be they could be a scary team because I think they're starting to get confidence again and they've kind of got over that hump of uh that lull that they had in the middle, middle of the year and I think uh a lot of people are underestimating them because I think people just assume that they're still the team that they were in the middle of the year when they were struggling. Sounds like you got the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I would. I would be especially in Kansas City. Um, I think I would be surprised if if this game's a, a one possession game I, I, in the fourth quarter. Because I mean, forever for the for the Chiefs, their problem was um, the problem has been really Alex Smith in big games. Is he going to be? play well enough at quarterback to uh, carry you o- over the hump. But, I mean, even this year when they went through that one-and-six stretch, it was not Alex Smith. I mean, he was he was still playing really good football. Um, it was more so on their defense and uh, the coaching also. But um, I like the Chiefs, but um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in that game. So, All right, next game we got is the Buffalo Bills at Jacksonville. So this is the other AFC game. This is Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, we have the Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bills the first time in the playoffs since 1999. Uh, they snapped Bills the, Mafia, dude. They finally got in. They snapped the longest uh, playoff drought in all of professional sports. Um, they had gone the longest amount of time without appearing in a playoff game in any MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL. Is who's their quarterback? Tyrod Taylor. They put him back. Yeah, he's been playing. He's, gotcha. He played the last couple weeks. So Tyrod Taylor's their quarterback. Um, so if you want to see a pretty cool video, so in order for the Bills to make the playoffs, they needed to win. They needed the Ravens to lose. So Bills win, Ravens lose, um, Bills are in the playoffs. So the Bills uh, played the Dolphins. They won, and the Raven game was still going on. So there's a really good video of, of the Bills team in the locker room in Miami with the game on their little TV. And it's not like a big screen. It's just in their visiting locker room. So it's probably like a 30-inch TV. But the whole team's watching it. Um and the Ravens were losing all game. They came back. They were, they were up by three. Um, 
and the Bengals had fourth and 12 from the 50-yard line with 40 seconds left, no timeouts. And Andy Dalton threw a like a 20-yard little seam pass over the middle. Uh, guy caught it, broke two tackles, scored a touchdown. So that's how the Bengals ended up winning the game. So there's uh, the Bills social media guys have basically just the locker room, like a panel locker room. And I wouldn't say they were dejected, but everyone's like kind of biting their fingernails watching the game. And then you see the guy, you can tell the guy caught the ball, and then the guy scored the touchdown, and the locker room goes, goes nuts. nuts. I'll put that video up in the show There's notes. guys crying. Like, it's 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 pretty good. That's cool. It's, it's a pretty good video. So, um, it's it's good to see the Bills back in the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, if LaShawn McCoy is not able to play, I don't know how much of a shot they really have. Uh, the Jaguars have is probably the biggest surprise story of the whole year, um, and they've been carried by by their defense. Um, as long as Blake Boilers doesn't throw a four-interception game up there and two of them get returned for touchdowns, which I think he's capable of doing, but he's been better than that for the last couple of weeks. Um, as long as he manages the game and they give Fournette a bunch of carries, um, I think the Jaguars should be able to um, take this game and go to Pittsburgh next weekend. But um, it, the LaShawn McCoy thing really hurts the Bills if he's not able to play. I mean, they run their entire offense through him um, – they throw him the ball. He runs the ball. He's one of the best backs in 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 the in the whole league. So, and their their backup running back is uh, an undrafted guy who's been on a couple teams and never had one carry in the NFL until this past weekend after McCoy got hurt. Oh wow! So, um, if McCoy's not able to go, I just I, I just can't see the Bills. Um, like I said, unless they get special teams and a, and a defensive score or two. I just I, – I can't see them putting up the points to uh, kind of hang with Jacksonville. Sounds like you're leaning towards Jacksonville. Home team, home team. Okay. Uh, then we got – who do you got for Atlanta Falcons at Los Angeles Rams? So this is the Saturday primetime game, NFC games. The NFC playoffs are going to be really good. I mean, the, the six teams in the NFC playoffs are, um, I think, all very similar. Um, and the most interesting thing, at least to me, is uh, – when you look at the starting quarterbacks on all the NFC playoff teams, um, the teams who are playing this weekend on wildcard weekend have the more experienced, better, better, quote-unquote, quarterbacks uh, in the playoffs. So whereas the teams with the bye, the Eagles and the Vikings, have the playoff inexperienced quarterbacks, they probably have the better teams overall. But, I mean, the Eagles who are sitting at home with the bye are going to have to go with Foles all all, all playoffs and the Vikings for as good as Case Keenum has been all year he's still Case Keenum and he's never played in a playoff game so um but whereas we have the NFC playoffs at least in the wild card round we got the Falcons who are the sixth seed they're at the Rams who are the three seed so we got Matt Ryan and we got an unproven Jared Goff but um the Rams have kind of been that other surprise team so um I think this will be this will be a good a good game because it's kind of the the, the team who's been there before, Falcons, who were in the Super Bowl last year against kind of the, the, the young upstart, young coach, young quarterback, um, surprise story of the league, like I said. But the biggest injury to really for, for me for this game is Julio Jones. He just It seems he's been banged up all year long. He still performs, though. He still does. Um, he just it, – it doesn't seem like – Maybe it's because he's hurt, but they just they they don't get him as vol involved as much as they got Sanu, dude. Yeah, they they got Sanu, Rutgers guy. <laughs> but Julio Jones just doesn't seem to be as involved or as dominant as he was last year when they were going on their run. Um, maybe that's because he's a little banged up, um, and it just seems like once a game he's coming out because he's got a hip or a leg or a foot or 
Um, and it seems like it kind of happens with those big physical receivers. They just they are getting some bumps and bruises. Um, but And it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the whole Falcons offense. I mean, that was the biggest thing last year is they were scoring 35 points a game, and that's how they got to the Super Bowl. Um, and I think everyone expected them to do the same thing this year, and they just haven't been able to mesh. Their running backs have been hurt off and on all year. Uh, Julio Jones has been hurt off and on all year, and they just – they have all the same guys. They have all the same pieces they did last year. It's just they haven't been able to figure it out. So um, I'm sure they think uh, they'll be able to flip the switch and they get to the playoffs. And I mean, if they score 30 points a game, they'll 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 have a shot to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, but they haven't been able to. They haven't showed that they're capable of doing it yet. So we'll 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 see if the playoffs come and Matt Ryan can be the MVP Matt Ryan of last year, or, or if he's going to be the guy he's been all season long, which is a 17 to 20 point Falcon team, which wouldn't get them past this weekend. All right. Then we got our last game, the Carolina Panthers at new Orleans saints. So <clears throat> this is probably the best game of the weekend. And this is the other NFC wildcard game with the other two super bowl experienced quarterbacks. You got cam on the, on the Panthers and drew Brees on, on the saints. So, I mean, all these, all these teams playing in the NFC this weekend, they all got the quarterbacks to whoever wins these two games to go into uh, the divisional round at an opposing team's field, and they have they've got the quarterbacks to ha- have an upset. But um, so the Saints are at home. It's four thirty on Sunday. Uh, the Saints beat the Panthers twice this year uh, in the in the regular season. Um, and that's ended up really the one of the bigger reasons why they ended up winning the, winning the division, even though these two teams ended up with the same record. So. Uh, Alvin Kamara for the Saints is back from his concussion. He had two touchdowns last week, uh, one of them being a kick return. So I think he's all good from that uh, hit they took against the Falcons a couple weeks back that we talked about. And he's like, he's just their, he's their biggest game changer. It, it, the offense has been significantly so much better since they traded Adrian Peterson. Um, the first couple of weeks they were trying to kind of force him in when they signed him in the offseason um, before they drafted Kamara. And ever since they traded traded AP and it, they've just been rolling with Kamara and Ingram, their offense has been um, running on all cylinders almost. Um, and since Greg Olson's come back, the other biggest injury. With uh, his foot. Yeah, ever since he's came back with his foot, um, he missed eight weeks and they came back, played one game, missed another game. But ever since then, he's been playing, and he kind of holds their whole offense together for for, for the for the Panthers. So the I think the refs missed a, a helmet to helmet hit on Greg Olson this past week, and he was like livid. He was pissed. He was so mad. Yeah, he said something about they hit me in the explosive face. Yeah, I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah, he was like screaming. I wish I could. I'll try to find. It. I doubt I will, but. But I, I honestly, I think this is the most even matchup of the of, of the whole weekend. Um, the Saints being at home, I think, will help. New Orleans is a tough place to play, especially in in the playoffs. But um, it's just it's an interesting matchup of uh, the most exciting thing to watch. If you can take anything out of this game, is watching the two rookie running backs and how they're used by each team. Watch how the Saints use Kamara, especially out of the backfield, and watch how the Panthers use Christian McCaffrey, especially out of the backfield. They're two smaller. Um, receiving type backs but they're both get some carries i might be mistaken but doesn't kamara he runs pretty hard doesn't he yeah he's like known for like getting after a little bit no he does but McCaffrey doesn't do that he just like not as much no yeah but they'll but they'll still give him some carries but they're very creative in how they're used and how they get how, how they get the ball in these guys hands and i think that's um the future wave of running backs especially with uh a lot of how 
offenses are run in college um, and how much success that these guys have, have had in the NFL this year. Um, like we, we've talked about it this year. You don't see a lot of Le'Veon Bell type one back offenses. Um, and these two guys are perfect two back complement running backs where the Panthers use Jonathan Stewart a lot also and the Saints use Mark Ingram a lot also. Um, so you have two kind of opposing styles of two different running backs, but uh, I think you see more and more running backs who have the ability to be split out and when they're faced up against a linebacker to have a really big advantage and, and teams you look to uh, exploit that. So that's what we got for the playoffs this weekend. Um, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, well, Josh, thanks for the, the breakdown of the games and now I know who I'm going to pick in my my, my picks for, for the weekend and for those listening keep keep a good radar on our Instagram account to put in your vote uh, anything else Josh? that's it alright we'll, we'll see you next week after the playoff games